Hi, I'm Kaylee Moore. And I'm Emma Samasco. Welcome to Freelance Writing Coach, your go-to podcast for building a freelance writing business. In each 20-minute episode, we'll do a deep dive into one area of business with the hope that our insights as successful freelance writers will educate and inspire you. This season of Freelance Writing Coach is sponsored by Kat Bogard, a fellow freelance writer who provides helpful advice and resources for creative freelancers. We both know Kat personally, and if you're struggling to pitch stories and land freelance writing clients, Kat's Pitch Pack takes the guesswork out of formatting those nerve-wracking emails. The pack includes eight pitch email scripts for a variety of scenarios, completed samples for each template, and some helpful tips to write pitches that get responses. For more about Kat and to purchase your own pitch pack, visit katbogard.com slash pitch pack. That's K-A-T-B-O-O-G-A-A-R-D slash pitch dash pack. Tell them Kaylee and Emma sent you. So our first season two topic is about education. So when it comes to freelancing and specifically freelance writing, there are definitely a lot of materials out there as far as courses, digital products, coaches, all kinds of different things you can do to sharpen your skills, whether that's around freelancing or the writing side of things. So the thing we're going to get into in this episode is the topic of education and do you need certifications or specific courses or any sort of validator like that to get hired? And how essential is it? And if so, like, what are the things that you need or what are the resources to consider? So we have a whole lot to talk about with this topic. And I want to first kick off things by asking you, how often in your freelance writing work do you get asked for these types of credentials or like educational background, anything like that? Yeah, sure. So I don't think I get asked for them ever. I think that they're not important to most clients. When they are assessing whether they want to hire a freelancer, they're really assessing, can this person get the job done that I need done? But what I think that they can be helpful for is giving you the knowledge to feel confident about getting those clients, about completing the work that you're selling. So I don't see these courses and certifications as a selling point for you as a freelancer. I occasionally see them on people's websites like, I have this certification. I w- I participated in this mastermind. And I always think like that is not a validator at all for me. But I do think that those can help you figure out how to be a better freelance writer and run a better business. What do you think? How do you think about courses and certifications for your business? So I have taken just a few. And most of them have been on the business side of freelancing because when I started I really didn't know what I was doing. And I was like, there's got to be something documented out there that'll help me do this better. So in my case, I took creative class, which I later went on to become a co-teacher of. So that was helpful. I did get a lot of value out of that. I will say though, one thing that I think is kind of endemic to our industry is that people will buy courses and materials and resources and then never complete them. So for me, with taking creative class, I sat down every night and did the work. Like I had a workbook that I worked through. I made notes. I listened to every episode of the videos. I, you know, I was a student. I was a capital S student when I did that. And so I think if you're going to invest in these things and you're going to do the certification or you're going to take the course, 
you have to be willing to do the work. And it's not something that you just buy and feel good about. You're like, oh, I bought it. It's done. No, you have to do the work to get the true value out of it. And so many people, especially on the course creator side of things, I've talked to so many course creators who are like, yeah, I've made you know, $50,000 on this course, but the completion rate is like 2%, which is such a shame. Yeah, but what I've heard from people is that they often buy a course with like the best intentions and then it sits there and rots and that it sort of makes them feel like they're working on the business to buy a course, buy a digital product, buy a kit, buy whatever it is. And I think that these resources are absolutely super valuable. I'm not discounting that at all, but I think that freelance writers need to be careful about making an investment and feeling like making that investment is doing the work in any way. Because as you mentioned, if you're going to get value out of out of these certifications, courses, whatever they are, you have to be really making a commitment to do the work, so to speak. And I just see that sometimes making that purchase is a substitute for doing that work, right? My first experience buying a course actually was I used to follow a travel blog. And when I was moving to Korea, I thought, oh my gosh, I'll start a travel blog and I'll I'll be a blogger. And I bought this course. It was kind of expensive for me at the time, like $250, but I, I was basically a poor college student. And I remember getting into the course and being like so completely overwhelmed and abandoning it completely. I don't know. I think that happens. And a lot of it is knowing your personality. So for me... It's really important to have a live teacher or a live community or real interaction to keep me moving with it. Like, I'm just not a very good self-completer. It sounds like you are because you were willing to sit down and do the homework for creative class. Yeah, it's funny because I would have been really pissed off if I had to, like, sit down and be on somebody else's calendar and, like, be at a live presentation. I hate that. I want to be able to do it when I want to on my schedule, on my time, and not have anybody else dependent on it. Actually, it's a really good point, especially people who are thinking about creating courses and resources for freelance writers. But even if you are a freelance writer and you're trying to choose what's going to work for you, so much of it is know thyself, right? Like I know that I'm not going to complete an online course unless there's a coach involved, there's a community involved. It's just not going to be a good fit for me. But I do know that for other people, like for you, actually a course is a pretty good fit for who you are. You know, another question that I hear from writers is, are there courses or resources that we recommend? Because there's a lot out there. It's hard to suss out what's actually good, what's not. So you mentioned creative class. Why don't you talk a little bit about that, but also maybe some other courses or resources that you've seen? Yeah. So this is actually super top of mind for me because I am working on a page for my website where I'm listing all of the helpful resources that I think are relevant for freelance writers. So business education, writing education, and then like where to find jobs. So like good job boards that maybe people haven't heard of before. So Creative class is definitely one on the business side of freelancing that I recommend and not selfishly because I'm the co-teacher, but because I took it as a student and it was really helpful as far as figuring out how do I run a business? What are the process things I need to have in place? And what are the things I need to know about working with an accountant? And how do I plan for retirement? And all of those things that you probably should have learned in school, but instead they were like, hey, let's fucking square dance. So... <laughs> So it was really helpful as far as practical, no fluff, things that I could implement right away. So that was really helpful. 
I know that there's other materials out there. Elise Dobson is a great example. She has Peak Freelance, which is the community route. So she has a group where she puts out new lessons every month. There's templates. There's like a conversation element. I think it's a Slack channel. Yeah, it's a Slack channel. But there are lots out there. I mean, there are definitely more helpful resources than probably people know what to do with. There's also kind of formal certifications people can get. I know that one I hear a lot of writers talk about is the AWAI one, which is, I think, specific to copywriting. Pretty expensive, but pretty technical education-wise. So that could be useful if that's something you're leaning into. I know that when I was doing social media work, some I did get a couple of those certifications, although I, I don't really know how helpful they were. I did HubSpot, Hootsuite, and Google Partners. They were a huge time investment and pretty in the weeds on a lot of stuff, honestly. So it's tough with that type of work too, because things change so quickly. So you've invested all this time in getting up to speed on features and how things work and then everything changes. So I think that that's a good consideration for any type of education. How is this going to age? Is this going to be relevant to me six months from now? I think that that's a good question to ask. Yeah, I also think a good question to ask is like, what are the areas I'm struggling with most and where do I need the most support? So if you're struggling with getting clients, it may literally make sense to buy a course or find a resource on that particular problem, right? Or if you're struggling with the business and, and accounting side of things, maybe it makes more sense to take a freelance business and accounting course or certification or whatever it is. I think that identifying areas where you're struggling is an essential part of it. And also being open-minded that it doesn't necessarily need to be a course that's for freelance writers. I've seen lots of courses or communities that are for general freelancers or general business owners, or there's one called the Wise Women's Council, which offers a community to moms, actually. I think it's moms, not just parents, although I'm sure they're open to parents of all kinds, but that's sort of a specific type of person, right? That needs needs some specific type of support. So I think that's a really important aspect. I did want to mention that also in terms of courses, certifications, et cetera, it's really important to find something that resonates with you. So a lot of times it's an individual that you are buying from. And it's really important to say like, does what this person is doing really resonate with me? Like, do I feel like they understand my problems? Do I feel like they're going to be available if I have a question? I joined a mastermind. Well, it wasn't a mastermind. It was like a course program from someone who's like very, very famous, has millions and millions of followers. And I basically got dumped into this portal. I felt like it wasn't anything that I was promised at all. And you know, I lost a little money for my first month of membership, but ultimately like I was like, well, I gave this a try because other people were talking about it, but not because I really felt that that particular leader or expert resonated with me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I, speaking of that and speaking of like educational background, I want to kind of reroute the conversation just briefly and talk about formal education. So college, I think you and I both have kind of writing centric backgrounds as far as our secondary education goes. I was a communications major. So what's your stance on, do you need to have like a writing specific college degree? Yeah, I don't think so. But this one is interesting because I feel that my degree in English is 
absolutely pivotal in being a good writer. I mean, it didn't help me learn how to write for a business, but it helped me learn how to construct a sentence. I learned a lot about grammar. I learned a lot about how to read a text. I just learned so many skills as part of that, where there's lots of people who say, oh, my college degree was totally useless. It doesn't benefit me in the real world. I really don't feel that way at all. I feel like my humanities degree has served me incredibly well. At the same time, I don't think that if you don't have a college degree and you want to be a freelance writer, you need to go and get a degree in English. I don't think that's the route that needs to be taken. I think you're much better served to read a lot of books. And that's one thing that is kind of interesting when we think about do you need certifications, courses, coaches, et cetera? It's like, not necessarily, but like, are you really a student of writing? Because that's a bigger question. Like, are you reading books? I feel like there's lots of freelance writers out there who are not very good writers. And I always wonder, like, are you reading a book every night before you go to bed? Because I'm worried that you're not. Because if you were, I just don't see how you could write that sentence. I'm so glad you said that because that's exactly what I was going to speak to in regard to my college education. I don't feel like I got a lot of great tactical day-to-day use stuff, but I feel like it taught me to be a better, more passionate reader. So you pulled that right out of my brain. And yeah, I too read a book every single night before I go to bed. Actually, I read it in the bathtub because that's just kind of how I wind down at the end of the day. But yeah, I read every day. And if you're not a good reader, it's really hard to be a good writer because your brain is a muscle. So you have to exercise it. And reading is really good practice for that. Yeah. And writing is ultimately good practice too. I mean, there's quotes out there that are like, in order to be a good writer, you must write every day and read every day or whatever it is. But it's kind of true that it takes a lot of practice. And there's another quote out there. I don't know who it is, but the quote is basically writing is thinking. And if you have clear writing, it's clear thinking, right? And so the ability to articulate something it takes a lot of practice. It's actually like kind of a nice segue into talking a little bit about coaching because, you know, we're talking about, do you need certifications, courses, but what about coaches? So I'm curious to hear from you because I know you work as a coach, but also like, have you found use personally from coaches? Tell me a little bit about it. Yeah. So I am kind of a strange individual and I kind of touched on it earlier in that I don't, do well with like directed learning. I feel like it's an aversion to authority maybe, but I'm very skeptical of working with a coach because I just feel like I am much more better with asynchronous or more autonomous self-directed learning. Like I don't necessarily want a coach to tell me what they think about what I'm doing. I want to just act on it and let it marinate and kind of take my own route with it. So I think that that's one thing to keep in mind is as you ask yourself this question about, do I need a coach? It's, is your personality compatible with that type of direction? Are you going to be better suited to read a book or take a course or listen to podcast episodes and learn kind of passively? Or do you want somebody who's going to interact with you directly and share feedback and do all of those things? So Like for me, I don't take direction very well. So it's not a great option for me. Yeah. You know what this makes me think of is when Kaylee and I hosted our Domina retreat, which was our business retreat a few years ago, we had everybody read The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. And it basically like categorizes people kind of how they're motivated, I would say, like whether they're internally motivated or externally motivated. And one of the things I realized going through that exercise is that I had a lot of what Gretchen calls the obliger in me, which is that I am very motivated by other people. 
And so coaching for me is great because I have dedicated time that I'm not good at giving myself where I might take an hour every week and work with the coach on something that either I've been avoiding or I know needs help or I just need support. I I need that handholding. It's interesting because you and I are so different. And I also think that these differences kind of speak to the different ways that you and I have run our businesses. Like I remember years ago, we talked about how many interviews I was doing and how many video calls I'm willing to be on. And you were kind of like, oh man, I want to do way more asynchronous work than that. Like I don't want to be in meetings with my clients all week. Like, ugh, it sounded horrible to you. I don't know. Maybe it it doesn't sound horrible to you now. Not that you don't ever want to be in a meeting. Yes, so true. (laughs) Whereas I'm like, get me in the meeting. I want to talk to the person. Like, I just am not as motivated when there's not as many touch points. I think also it's like worth talking a little bit about coaches offer different types of things. So like you and I, both offer coaching to freelance writers. My model is I do a one and a half hour super session where we really dive into the business. It's like a one and done session. You offer, you know, a a six week coaching. I don't know. I wouldn't call it a course, but like a program. Right. And then there's coaches that offer like kind of everything in between. I recently worked with a coach on systems. So she helped me come up with like a a way to manage subcontractors using some light software. And it was a two hour session and it was a really expensive, but it was just like one, two hour session. And I don't know, like I was willing to buy it, even though it was really expensive because I needed someone to hold my hand for this one particular thing. And what was your read on it once you did it? Did you feel like it was worth the investment? Mm. (sighs) I don't... (laughs) Maybe don't answer if you don't want to. (laughs) No, it's fine. I think it's actually like important to talk about. So like the coaching session was, I think, $1,500 for two hours, which is a lot for a two-hour session. In contrast, my coaching is like, I don't know, of that. I mean, it's just like when I priced my own coaching, I could never charge somebody $1,500 for what I'm going to do with them. Even though probably what they're going to get is about the same value, but I'm just like $350 feels right. Maybe maybe what I bought from her was worth $750. I don't know. I just felt like it was a lot of money for like, I don't know. What do you think? Would you be like, if someone was like, oh, this coaching hour is $1,500, would you be like, yeah, sounds good? Or would you run away? Or <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I mean, I really think it depends on the perceived value, you know? Like, that was something that was a very clear pain point for you, and that was like, hey, I'll fix it for you. So maybe that's worth $1,500. My coaching that I do with freelance writers is 30 minutes once a week for four weeks, and it was $250 a session. And then I give a ton of follow-up materials in an email after we get off the call. And there's a little bit of homework where they have to answer a few questions and submit it through a form on my website every week, just so they're like thinking about things and answering questions and moving forward down the path. So I did raise that. I think I doubled the price this past year. And funny enough, I haven't worked with anyone <laughs> this past year. Oh, oh no. Do you so- think it? Do you think it's because you raised the price or do you think it's because you haven't been focusing on it as much or? I don't know. I feel like the price is probably prohibitive. I feel like it's not something I ever really talk about out in public. It's there if somebody goes searching for it, but it's not something I push. And the other thing too is that I don't know that everybody wants to be assigned homework. (laughs) 
And I think that, that, yeah, yeah, I feel like that's probably intimidating for some people. The thing is, though, I feel like the results of the people who went through the coaching program with me from the reporting back that they did and said, like, here's what happened post learning from you and implementing this stuff, I probably should be charging a lot more. So I don't know. Again, it like it puts me on somebody else's calendar, though. So I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this. Well, that that's interesting. I think that with the coaching, it's about perceived value. And I think when someone is assessing a coach, I think it's really tempting to be like, I'm going to spend $1,500 on this. Will I get $1,500 back from this? And you might, but you might not. Like, I'm not exactly going to get $1,500 back from having this system, but it was probably worth doing. Like my business is not hurting because I spent that $1,500, right? Like I knew, like you said, it was a really big pain point. I couldn't find the right person to help me solve it. So now that you've kind of talked this out, I am like, yeah, actually it was worth it. I'm still like non-compliant though. Like I don't really use the system that she helped me set up, even though she understood what was going on with me. So that's like maybe a personal problem, but I think that is like something though that we should touch on before we end this episode, which is about assessing cost. Mm -hmm. Um, Because one thing that you want to be really careful of is like not to spend beyond your means as a freelancer, whether you've been in business for years or whether you've been in business, you're just starting out because you don't want to spend thousands and thousands of dollars a year on courses. What I usually do is I kind of have a annual budget in my head of how much I'm willing to spend on annual education. So that might be conferences, that might be courses. And usually, I mean, during COVID, there hasn't been a conference, but I usually say like, I'm going to do one conference that I'm going to pay for every year. And then I'm willing to do one other sort of intensive coaching or community or something. So that kind of helps me make sure that it's something that it's like within the realm of something I can afford. I recently helped someone assess whether they should buy something. And I think the program they were assessing was $4,000. And I asked them like, okay, what did you make from your freelance business in profit last year? And I don't remember what she said, but I said, if you made $4,000 less than that this year, would that affect your life? Would that affect your ability to pay your mortgage or whatever, right? Or your ability to go out to dinner? And she ultimately said no. And I said, well, if you think that you can do at least as good as you did last year, the worst case scenario is you make $4,000 less. Like, I think there's some like mindset stuff that needs to happen with this too, right? Yeah. I think that's a really good point. And those are definitely good considerations to keep in mind. I think the two final points before we wrap this up are, number one, if you're just starting out as a freelancer and you're looking for educational resources, soak up all of the free content that you can because there is so much good value out there that people are putting out as content marketing in hopes that you'll eventually buy their thing. But soak up the free stuff while you can. I mean, it's out there. Just take the time to invest in reading it and consuming it and implementing the suggestions that people have. And then the other one too is kind of like you said, is it going to impact your quality of life? Is it something that you feel like is going to make a meaningful impact? So just really take some time and consider, is this right for me, my personality type, my learning style, and is the perceived value or is the possible return on investment high enough to where this makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. And then the the final cherry on top of that is to remember that Any education you get is really for you. 
it's not really something that your client is going to assess you on in the sense that they're not going to be like, oh, she's HubSpot certified. I definitely need to have her. I mean, if you're doing HubSpot implementations, that might be another story. But if you're a freelance writer, those certifications aren't going to make or break whether you get the job. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Freelance Writing Coach Podcast. If you want more tips, tricks, and resources for building your business, visit freelancewritingcoachpodcast.com.